Jamie and I, Drew Amanda with you here in the Green Zone on this Wednesday afternoon in Saskatchewan. Thanks for spending some of your Wednesday with us. Uh, still uh, coming up on the Green Zone, Michael Linklater will join us, one of the organizers on the 3x3 basketball tournament and the YXE Urban Games coming in this summer. Michael will uh, chat with us at 535 this afternoon. But right now... We're going to talk to Enoch Mwamba, former Saskatchewan Rough Rider, Winnipeg Blue Bomber, Toronto Argonaut, and now retired from the Canadian Football League after 11 seasons. Enoch, thanks for your time this afternoon. Thank you so much for having me on. It has been a, an incredible career from being a draft pick, from being an Indianapolis Colt, uh, all the way around to being Grey Cup MVP and top Canadian two years ago, right here in Saskatchewan. What was that moment like as it'll go down as your final football game? Ah, you know what? It it was an amazing moment. Um, I'd have to say it was the pinnacle. Um, You know, it's what, if you want to play pro sports, that's that's where you want to be at. That's the level that you want to reach. And so it was an amazing feeling to be able to reach that level and, uh, you know, to have the type of guys that I had around me. And, um, you know, people always ask me, man, Talk to us about the emotions that you were feeling and and why you were so um, you know emotional and, and the reason is just simple. The last time I was at a Great Cup or at a championship game, you mentioned the uh, my time spent with the Colts. Uh, you know, we people don't know this, but I was a part of the Colts the year when we uh, we had a great run and uh, we were close to the Super Bowl. We lost to Tom Brady uh, in the Flategate game, so they ended up cheating oh. us. And they, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> but, you know, I've gotten close to uh, championship games, but um, but never really won it. And uh, the last time before we actually won the Great Cup in 22, that I was actually a part of a Great Cup or a championship game was in 2011, my rookie year. So it was a lot of emotions. I was overwhelmed with emotions because, um, you know, I just remembered everybody that played a role in my in my in my career. You know the the people that helped me, the teammates that I've had, um, the um, my family that was you know that's been there to support and sacrifice for me. I'm you know I thought about my my wife, my parents, my kids, um, and then also my coaches and trainers over over the years. He, how old were you when you came to Canada? Man, I was I was really young. I was about five five six years old, and um, you know. Didn't didn't know anything about football for sure. Didn't know anything okay. about the Canadian cold either. <laughs> so I, was, uh, I was extremely young for sure. So, what drew you to football? Man, uh, so I was a huge athlete. I always loved sports. Um, my uh, my father was a big time athlete himself. He played all kinds of sports except football. <laughs> <laughs> basketball he was really good at a lot of the different sports he was captain in most of them um but never football right and so we grew up as a as an athletic family my brothers and i and uh when when we moved to immigrated to canada and lived in montreal i even actually loved hockey at one point and um you know wanted to play in the nhl and then it became really i became more and more serious uh with basketball and it wasn't until grade ten that my high school basketball coaches ended up saying, "Hey, you know, you should um, you should try football." Uh, sure enough, <laughs> it was actually a leap of faith because I did not want to. I didn't understand the game of football. I didn't like the game of football. 
Um, I didn't watch the game of football, and so I took a leap of faith. And uh, like they say, the rest um, has been history. Wow. Wow. Enoch Mwamba joining us after announcing his retirement after 11 years in football. You mentioned your first uh, time in the CFL, went to a Grey Cup. Is it true sometimes you can take that for granted, that you make it in a rookie year and go, oh, yeah, you get used to it, and then you have to wait till the end to finally win one? 1,000%. 1,000%. That was me. Um, you know, we we went my rookie year. I actually had an injury that made me miss half of the season. Um, one of my first, you know, serious injuries. Um, and, uh, you know, I was like, man, like, is this even going to be a career for me? And so there was a lot going on for me in my rookie year. But thank, thank God, you know, I was able to come back and contribute as little as I did, you know, that particular year, play some special teams and was on some packages on defense. Uh, but I was telling myself, man, look, I'm going to do everything that I can as far as the hard work is concerned to uh, put myself in the best, you know, scenario so that I can be able to contribute to a great cup winning team. The following year, we, we uh, I think it was Coach La Police that was my uh, my head coach still. He gets fired midseason because we had a terrible start. And obviously we don't make it to the playoffs 2013 as well. The following year, we did not make it to the play uh, to to the Great Cup again. So um, it started to become kind of uh, uh, apparent for me at the time because, again, like you said, um, in 2011 when we finished, I was like, "Man, this is this is not bad at all." You know, I could I could I could get used to this, and and I'll come back here another time and and be able to play a bigger role. But it didn't happen that way. Uh, Enoch, of course, some of your time spent uh, here in Saskatchewan uh, came in 2016, and then darn close to getting to a Grey Cup in 2017 if it wasn't for Ricky Ray uh, and that drive down the field in Toronto. But uh, describe your time in the year and a half in Saskatchewan. Man, Saskatchewan was an amazing time. People always ask me, Enoch, uh, what was, you know, I played with multiple cities, wore different jerseys. What was your favorite time? And people are usually shocked um, to hear that it was my time in Saskatchewan. You know, um, I loved it there. And I, and I know it sounds like I'm just saying that because I'm talking to you guys, but that's not the case. Um, I'm, I've been quoted or, or documented saying that to, to different people as well. And the reason is being was just my wife and I just enjoyed ourselves over there. Um, you know, I, I, we had just gotten married, my wife and I. Um, and, and right after our honeymoon, she got pregnant. Um, and uh, so she, it was my wife and I literally, like, we didn't want to go anywhere, so... We didn't need too much entertainment. We didn't need too much uh, things uh, to do. So we were really in our apartment most of the time. We are hanging out with teammates. I met one of my, my closest friends who was my teammate and his wife at the time long before, you know, stay at home was a thing. She had her own business, so she was able to travel uh, with her husband because, you know, a lot of my teammates over the years, you know, their partners are, are home wherever home might be, whether it's in the U.S. or another province. And so he was fortunate enough to be with his wife um the whole time and they also had gotten married really um right around the time that we got married so uh, his name is cam um cam, uh, cameron marshall, mm-hmm. he was a cam running marshall back yep. at the time but to this day we're really close super super close and uh you know uh my wife our wives are really close as well and uh it's uh it's been an amazing uh, uh amazing journey but saskatchewan was one of the uh, you know, life was simple. We didn't have kids running around everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, but, but, but like I said, you could find us just hanging out at the house. We would do, you know, uh, potlucks. We would go at each other's houses. And when myself and Cam would be away, 
you know, um, Jess and Aisha would, would hang out, and, and we knew that they, they weren't lonely at all. So it was, uh, it was a really cool time that, you know, I'll never forget. Okay, uh, Enoch, um, you've done some broadcasting, podcasting, TSN. Is that your future? You're not, you're not leaving football, are you? I'm not leaving football. Um, uh, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not planning on it for sure. Uh, there's a lot of things still kind of to, to work out. Uh, I, I'm excited. I'll say this before I even answer everything because I feel like um, I also want to change the narrative that, you know, ceasing from football is this uh, melancholic process, um, you know, egregious process, when really, like, you got to start looking forward to that next phase, that next chapter, right? And I kind of treated my, my career as, as, as a cocoon phase of my life where, you know, now – you know, the wings are coming out, and, and I feel like, like a butterfly, and, and, and uh, you know, I can start to fly, you know, with the high vibes and everything. So I'm excited for what's to come next. It's butterfly season for me, and uh, for sure, <laughs> uh, broadcasting is, in, is, on, is on the horizon. Uh, like you mentioned, I've done work with TSN. Um, I have a really cool meeting with them um, really early March. Um, I have a meeting with the front office in Toronto and potentially with uh, – you know, some other places in the country as well. And, um, um, you know, there's a lot of cool different projects that I've also kind of been a part of when it comes to business is concerned. I also stepped into that world and uh, uh, just came back from Hong Kong with a company called Billy where we were developing a social commerce platform. Uh, that's wow. been super exciting. Uh, and then more than anything, uh, I'll tell you guys, um, I'm super passionate about um, my, my foundation. Um, I've always done work in the community of the cities that I played for, regardless of where I was at, um, including when I was in Saskatchewan. And, uh, you know, my foundation is something that I've been kind of focusing on the last couple of years and um, beyond just the mentorship that I've done locally and, and, and in the communities as far as utilizing football as a vehicle. Man, one of the biggest things that I'm doing right now is trying to um, position myself in a way that I can uh, also go global. I've been mentoring some kids, guys, um, that are in the Congo for a few years now. I've been in conversations with them, and uh, I've never met them face-to-face. And so the goal and the aim is to continue to go global now and to, uh, you know, uh, uh, afford these um, opportunities that, you know, only thanks to my parents um, who were bold enough and courageous enough to leave a whole country and come to a new one to start anew for their kids that, I'm starting to understand the sacrifice that came into play um, when they had to make those decisions, especially now as a father, um, as a parent. Um, so it, it's really cool that way. And uh, uh, the truth is this. There, there, there are some kids out there in the Congo who probably faster than me, um, can jump higher than me, more athletic than me. Uh, now, there's only a few that might be better looking than me. But, um, <laughs> the goal, though, guys, is to... Um, you know, bring those opportunities to them the same way that, you know, my parents' boldness and courage were able to uh, afford me. And one of the other awards you recently received, Enoch, a recipient of Top 25 Canadian Immigrant Award. What did that mean for you? Uh, it, it meant a lot. It meant a lot. Like I said, um, you know, Canada has always been um, a place that, I, that, that I've loved um, forever for the opportunities that it presents and that it gives to um, you know, the people living in it, the immigrants coming into it. Um, that's something that no one can ever, you know, um, say that it is not. And so uh, I, I love the country itself for the opportunities. And so my aim has always been to, like I said, 
the various cities that I've been a part of, the school that I went to, to always contribute to the community. And I always felt like, you know, if, uh, if, if everybody did their part as well, it'll, um, you know, move the world forward, um, this country forward. And so um, with that kind of mind, uh, mindset, uh, that idea, uh, I've always wanted to also reach out to the country where I was born at, right? Um, the best book that I've, I've ever read says, um, the greatest among you shall be servants. And uh, I've always, you know, committed to serving um, my community, serving um, people that are around me. Um, one, because I truly believe that it helps. Um, I truly believe also that it, it allows, you know, individuals to elevate. You learn so much about yourself as well when you serve others. And so, and plus I saw it growing up. My parents were amazing in that front. Well, you know, a great career, and I know... Uh, you'll be spreading your wings and a long way to fly uh, coming out of a great football career, Enoch. Uh, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Enoch Mwamba announcing his retirement from the CFL after 11 years. But as you heard, uh, you won't wow. you didn't hear the last of Enoch Mwamba, especially wow. around the uh, Canadian Football League. More coming up, including dropping the gloves on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. Jamie and I, Drew with you here on the Green Zone. Uh, still looking for a winner for the uh, Briar tickets. Uh, we have one. We have one winner who knew the three skips outside of Rick Folk, born in Saskatchewan, uh, who have won the Briar. one uh, That is since 1980, the last time Rick Folk won as the skip of Saskatchewan. He won again in the 90s with BC, but there are three others from Saskatchewan since 1980, who skipped a team to a briar, of course, not representing uh, the province of Saskatchewan. one 332 8255 Send your answers our way for draw five tickets that Sunday afternoon uh, for the briar. Jamie and I, Drew with you here on the Green Zone. Well, we have four pairs of Briar tickets to give away. This is for draw number five on Sunday. This is the uh, match with Benny Hebert um, and company. Uh, but also, uh, you have Saskatchewan against Kevin Cooey that afternoon. You also have Brad Guju's rink, Team Canada, on the ice that afternoon. Draw number five at the Briar. So, Cooey against Saskatchewan, that will have some playoff implications. Uh, and also uh, to see Brad Gushu play uh, a game of curling is always a fun time. Also VIP access in the patch. So we have four pairs today to give away. We're giving two away and have just given two away on a trivia question. That uh, Carrie Ann and James were the first in to know the three skips other than Rick Folk to have been born in Saskatchewan and won a briar since 1980 when Rick Folk won the last time as a Saskatchewan rink was Ed Lukowicz. Um, Ed Lukowicz was born in Spears, Saskatchewan. Uh, he won the Briar in 1986 um, as a member of Ontario. Sorry, Alberta. And then you have Mark Dacey. He skipped Nova Scotia uh, to a Briar championship. And the other was Pat Simmons. Actually started that Briar as the third and then after they started two and three, John Morris went 
Do you want to skip instead? And then they switched it up, and Pat Simmons went on to win as the skip of that rink uh, as a member of Team Canada. That was actually Kevin Cooey was the skip of that rink the year before when they won, but Kevy, Kevin Cooey left and formed a new team. They added John Morris. Pat Simmons became the skip. There are the three, other than Rick Folk, Saskatchewan-born skips to win the Briar. There is a uh, another Saskatchewan-born skip this year, Catlin Schneider, skipping BC uh, from Saskatchewan this season. So Carrie Ann and James won those tickets. We have two more pairs to win those ones. Go to Jamie Nye, the Sports Guy Facebook page, like, follow, and somebody on our Facebook page uh, will win, or two people will win two pairs of tickets uh, to the Briar Sunday afternoon draw uh, and VIP access in the Briar patch. Get in the fast lane, Kramer. The bingo game is ready to roll. It's time to drop the gloves. But hey, as they say in hockey, let's do that hockey. Drew Remenda, um, yeah. let's do that hockey. All right. Last night, the uh, Florida Panthers and the Buffalo Sabres yep. uh, played a hockey game. And the I, I don't know what miracle uh, was uh, pushed on Nick Cousins last night, but after looking like he got KO'd in a scrum, he made a remarkable recovery to jump off the ice and engage. Now, it looked to me like the Sabre tried to kick him, but he was getting pulled back as well, yeah. so his skate yeah. came off the ice. But it was a very closed-in angle was the only angle we saw to really see right. what the yeah. body position is. But Nick Cousins is not winning many fans outside of Florida. Well, that's that's the key. Um, yeah, Jordan Greenway gave him a pop in front of the net and didn't really hit him that hard. And Jordan Greenway's a big kid, and I would love Jordan Greenway on my team. Um, and down Nick went, and it was, it was touch and go for a minute there. We weren't sure what happened. We thought, oh, my gosh, he's really injured. Uh, no, he didn't. Yeah. Yeah, we were all like, oh, uh, my gosh, poor yeah, Nick Cousins after no. all those he, just hits coming back from, from behind a and dirty f- player. Ugh. So he's coming back from a concussion. You're worried about him and everything else. And anyway, he jumps up and then he gets involved. Why should we um, be worried about Nick Cousins when he holds no regard for the other players on the ice? Well, see, that's the interesting thing is like Nick Cousins, if you go back, he, he, he was traded, I think, for a fifth-round draft pick. You're traded for a fifth or sixth-round draft pick. Your career is in the balance. Yes, Your career, it could go either way, and it usually goes the wrong way. And Nick Cousins has found the team, found the identity that he needs to play with, and is now proving to be a very valuable member of the Florida Panthers. Now, with you're right within the Florida walls. One of the things that uh, that really brought Nick Cousins' behavior to a, to our attention was Kevin Bieksa on Hockey Night in Canada on Saturday night, and he rallied, just railed, I should say, against Nick Cousins. Mm-hmm. Showed three hits that were questionable. Didn't show the Zucker hit, which put him out. You know, the Zucker hit, which Zucker put on Cousins in retaliation to put him out of the lineup for twelve games, and called him a rat. Call him a few other things. Um, on that, Nick Cousins said, my phone absolutely blew up. Didn't see it. People sent me the clip. And I went, 
well, first of all, this guy doesn't even know me. I've never even talked to this guy, but if he wants to, I'll talk to him. He's found a way to play and he's found an identity. His teammates, like Kevin Bexa said on that particular clip, that some of his teammates need to sit him down and talk to him about that. Well, if you talk to his teammates, um, they love him. His coach loves him. And the way he plays is a bonus, a plus for that team. Now, he's only got eight thing. points. Like, right. seriously, how yeah, valuable yeah, but, can this guy be? Well, where are they sitting in the standings? It's every, you they know, got as well Barkov as I do. It doesn't matter. You know, as well as I do, you can't, you can't win. You can't win with just skill. You need relentless SOBs who are an absolute pain. I'm going to ask you a the, question. Is he the new Brad Marchand without the offensive allure that Brad actually brought to the Boston Bruins in the heyday of Brad Marchand? Is Nick Cousins taking the mantle? Is he taking the yeah, torch I would say that, from yeah. Brad, Marsh, Brad Marchand as the most hated player in the National Hockey League? Well, he he was voted on that anonymous players poll as the, the guy most players in the league would like to punch. Now, to be fair, there were two other members of the the Florida Panthers, who were on that list as well. I think they made the top three, as a matter of fact, Kachuk and Ryan Lombard. Lombard. So there's, they've got a bunch of punchable guys, for sure. But they are a team that play to an identity of, we are going to do this to you, it's going to drive you nuts, and we're still going to win the game, and you're going to be really ticked off after the game and during the game. We're going to get you off your game by playing our game. I give them a ton of credit and the way they play. They play they with have, truculence, as Brian Burke would love Brian to have Burke seen on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, yeah. They, they call them a rat, but... Well, they throw rats, so they might, they might as well yeah. adorn them in 21 weasel. Cousins jerseys as they throw those rats on the ice in Florida. More of a weasel. Weasels are, weasels are, are way worse. Like rats, rats laugh when tickled. Apparently, I mean the rats are very intelligent. Yeah, honestly, I've been reading about rats, but trust me, <laughs> they uh, they are very intelligent animals. They're very clean animals, as a matter of fact. So there's a rats? lot of pluses. Yes, yes, yes. You know, if it's on Google, it's true. So it's according to the uh, it's according to uh, PETA. No, I'm <laughs> it's. <laughs> Okay, facts, German has just Royal, dropped. Is, no, that, no, that rats are clean and ticklish. Yeah. Apparently, yeah. so apparently they laugh when tickled. As a matter of fact, <laughs> where is that uh, positive traits of rats? And this is according to. Uh, where I is know it now? Sean Poulin of Poulin's Pest Control listens every so often. Can he confirm any of this uh, on being clean and ticklish well, doubt, from the rats? I, I doubt that. I doubt. I doubt he. Yeah, yeah, I doubt he takes time to really figure that out. Uh, as I doubt he's ever tickled a rat in his life. <laughs> <laughs> Who has? No, what are you doing? That? What are you doing up there? I'm. It's, I'm fine. Just leave. I've got this. I'm fact checking, Drew. Remanda. I'm fact checking. Never mind. I'll take care of it. <laughs> and how would you know if it's laughing? This is totally bunk. I don't they believe they any know. of this. They know. They know. Of course, these the people know. Rats characteristics, personality. <laughs> Rats are very hardworking, as a matter of chat, as a matter of fact. They're very empathetic, naturally curious, have strong memories, and are excellent learners. Well, we know they're excellent learners because they get through those 
mazes like nobody else's business. So yeah, I would say that describes that describes Nick Cousins to a to a to a T. <laughs> But I, I I I always find I always find it funny that people get mad at I, I guess as I get, I've gotten older and, and watched so many people play in the National Hockey League and coach so many people that I I get I get a kick out of people getting mad at the way somebody plays on the ice. Now I would love to see Nick Cousins do what he does, with the exception of stop hitting guys from behind mm-hmm. and hitting guys blindside. I'd love to see that with what. Anthony Mantha did to him. I, it doesn't look like he's going to change, even though Anthony Mantha tuned him in a couple of games ago. But that's why, you know, we talked about fighting. That's where, that's where you, you still need it. That's where you still need it. When you can grab a guy who steps out of line and, and you, you have somebody like Anthony Mantha take offense to it was, it was a hit. It was along the boards earlier. So, uh, Dan and Swift Current says the best NHL rat of them all is the rat, uh, Kenny Lindsman. I don't know, boy. That's a good question. That's a that's a good one. Who was the biggest rat? Like Brian Marsh or, or Brad Marchand was was he licked people's faces? He licked people's faces. He he did. He bit people's fingers, and then he'd score winning goals. I mean, he was about his. And, and now somebody did talk to him and say, "Hey." You can't keep doing the dumb stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't think they use the word stuff. And and he did. He still plays on that edge. But again, it's, it's the old saying. I'd rather pull a guy back from pushing to it. Uh, okay, let's go to our uh, rumor of the day in the uh, NHL yeah. rumor mail. Um, it's a great time. Emily Kaplan reporting she's hearing Penguins general manager Kyle Dubas seeks multiple first-round picks or a first-rounder and equivalent in top prospects for Jake Gensel in a trade. Any chance? Any chance? I think there's a chance. Multiple firsts for Jake Gensel? Oh, oh, no. Oh, no. To get the. No, no. I think there's a chance that he might trade him. But no, no, no. From what I'm hearing, when Emily's saying that, it's an outrageous price for for Jake. Yeah. Jake's a hell of a player and he plays with Sid Crosby. But. One, I, you're not getting that. I'm sorry, you're not getting that. He's unsigned. He can be a free agent. He'll he'll go get his money somewhere. He might even stay. But apparently, the price is absolutely ridiculous. What Kyle Dubas is looking for for Jake Gensel. So no, they're not. He's not getting that. Because nobody's got that to give. Nobody has that to give right now. They do, but they're teams that wouldn't give it up because they're in no, a rebuild. No, wouldn't give it up. Yeah, because they're yeah, they're, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> There's no team that's given all that up. Yeah. Um, but as our guest from Pittsburgh said, like our New Jersey de- guest uh, last week or yesterday said, yesterday. it's all up to what happens in the next week for both the Penguins and the Devils. If they continue to sink, they're sellers. If they rise, they might actually be buyers uh, yeah, at the trade would, deadline. But I would take, if you're looking at that team, those teams, I take the Devils on the rise versus the Penguins. That was one of the youngest teams in the league. They're one of the fastest teams in the league, and they are one of the most skilled teams in the league. They've got a problem in goal. Uh, the Penguins, uh, one of the oldest teams in the league, and 12 guys with no move contracts, and a lot of guys over the age of 35, and guys with term that are over the age of 35. Uh, good luck, Kyle Dubas. Our game of the night next on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM.
Jamie Niger Romendo with you here on the Green Zone. We'll uh, head to Edmonton. There's only two games in the NHL tonight. Sorry, I'm not picking the Columbus Blue Jackets uh, and the New York Rangers. Oilers, Blues. Blues six points out of a playoff spot right now with some games in hand against an Oilers team that's been random uh, yeah. since the All-Star break on what to expect. Uh, but Drew so, Romendo. Sorry. She brain Shen last night with uh, Adam Lowry. That was a good tilt. Adam Lowry's a monster. I've known Adam since he was a like ten. Yeah, were you as surprised old. as I was that Braden Shen? No, no, Braden. It's Braden. He's old school, man. He is old school. That kid. You know how much I love the Shen boys. But I, I know, how, like, yeah. we know how tough Adam Lowry is. That's where I was like, yeah. "Who? Yeah. You're jumping up a weight class there, Braden." Oh uh, yeah, he's, he's a, Adam's a monster. Adam's been a monster since his dad played in San Jose, and he's like ten years old. He was always bigger than every kid I ever saw. And and both of them are such great guys, but now it doesn't surprise me with Braden. It's what he does. Try to spark his team. We'll do something. See how he tries to spark the team tonight against the Edmonton Oilers.